0: Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Simple. My name is Luis Sanchez. I'm the director of the Simple Church Collective and a host of the Keeping It Simple podcast.
1: And I'm Scott Callantine, co-host of the podcast and resident of the Simple Church Collective. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Let's get started.
0: Hi, Micah. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. For listeners who may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to micro churches and simple churches
1: hey luis it's great to be here with you on the podcast yeah my name is micah dodson i work with the alliance northwest and oversee church planting here in the pacific northwest i also lead an organization called thrive church planting that's focused on um, really helping church planters thrive in the journey and more of a holistic care approach um, to how we come alongside and coach and and care for uh, people who are planting new churches When it comes to micro expressions or kind of decentralized church, um, that for me has been a journey over the past uh, about 12 years in church planting of seeing the ways in which maybe we've done a really great job of um, organizing around church and perfecting the expressions of the prevailing model of the church, um, but have maybe not done as great of a job of focusing on people who are not yet Christians and making disciples in the harvest, kind of starting with people who don't yet know Jesus and helping them engage in a discipleship journey that ultimately maybe gathers in a a home expression or some kind of decentralized mode of the church. So that's been a a passion for me for the last dozen years, uh, which led us to church planting in the Seattle area in that mode, as well as helping coach and equip other church planters in that mode.
0: And we're grateful for uh, your hard work and your connection to us and to the Simple Church Collective, man. I met you a number of years. In fact, we've been in uh, uh, the greater Seattle area now for about seven years, a little bit over seven years. And it was right around this time of the year that... uh, just a little bit before that we met you. And so, and it's been a huge blessing to connect with you. And, and I just have loved your heart just for listeners. Um, man, Micah is, you know, when they talk about like a salt of the earth person, like you're one of the people that come to mind. And there's a few of those kind of people, like just sweet spirited that are all about mission and that have gotten to the place in their own life and in their own walk that um, know that Jesus is the main thing and at the same time that they also have a contribution, but they do it in a kind way. And so that's been a huge blessing. And I know that I'm not the only recipient of this, Micah. You, like you mentioned, your work with the Alliance Northwest and the um, uh, work that you do at Thrive um, are able to connect with leaders all over the Northwest and beyond. And so one of the main questions that I have for you kind of getting started is, for, for someone in the microspace, right, uh, how is their development leadership-wise different than the development in someone in what we would call the prevailing model, the Sunday morning kind of attractional deal?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. Um, in the prevailing model, I think there's a high emphasis on performance, um, kind of your skill set or your competency. And I think with a lot of the um, liabilities and kind of implosions, burnouts, flameouts that we've seen um, in the prevailing model, we've heightened the attention on character development. Um, but again, oftentimes, the focus has been on the competencies. Uh, in a micro expression, I think the beautiful thing is the character development is first, it's disciple making, um, it's obedience, it's listening to God's voice, hearing what he says, and putting it into practice. The skill set is uh, a much more attainable or kind of a lower bar, because the ecclesial minimums are, are a lot lower in terms of what it means to lead an expression that way. Um, So I, I think that the skill sets are more around modeling what you've experienced personally, if you're being discipled, how can you disciple another? And really, that being the sign of being a disciple is that you've got disciples, right? So I think that's a huge piece of, um, of what happens in leadership development in the microspace. And then I think there's, as the expressions are multiplied, there's another skill set of training trainers um, when you've got a hub that's happening and how are you going to equip people that are doing the the thing that you're doing, um, that you're calling them to. And I think that, fortunately, uh, for folks like yourself that are out there getting it done, boots on the ground, there's a lot more resource out there um, than there was 10 or 12 years ago around micro-expressions. Things like the books Rob Wagner put out uh, with Casey Underground, Starfish and Spirit, Um, just a lot of great resources. I think Next Wave by Steve Pike's another great book that pushes in that direction to just help us shift some of the metrics that we look at. So I think there are a lot of great tools out there and I'm excited and encouraged to see that we're making everyday disciples that can then make everyday disciples. And we get to build on that uh, multiplication framework that way.
0: Love it. Um, Thinking about like all the stuff that has happened and that we've seen in the media, in the prevailing model. And I think that, you know, as a person in the microspace now and coming from the prevailing model, like that character stuff is, is so important. And I think at the same time, like, it's not like, we don't deal with stuff like that. Like we don't have our own gaps in our own thing. Like if, if, if we're not careful, it, it just won't be as publicized as other people's stuff. You know, we each have our own stuff and caring for what Pete's Cazero, I think and others another, you know, our own vineyard is so, is so important. You know, you mentioned Rob and you mentioned Steve, both of which we've had on the podcast here before. And I, and I, we love their stuff, man. And one of the things I think that I love about Rob and the Casey folks, which we have to incorporate a little bit more here at the simple church collective is like, they do like once a month, they do just like almost like a soaking service. Um, And that's the last time I heard about it. It's just like prayer and worship and just like words of impartation over each other. Uh And that's just so, and they, they call that equipping too. It's a part of their equipping. Like if the yeah. soul of a simple church leader is not strong, then you know the people that they're leading or attempting to lead um, their work's not going to be kind of rooted upon the rock, and so that that soul work that uh, character work is all very critical. Talk to me, Micah, about um, you know some of the church projects that you have your hands in right now. Here in the Northwest and around, and, and like what really excites you uh, about those right now?
1: I think what excites me about those, um, one big piece would be um, a number of years ago, we are planting a, a micro church expression, or we call them missional communities. And we kind of got to the spot um, six or seven years in where we had seen three different iterations of the church. Um, you know, we'd have anywhere from two to four missional communities, and then they would kind of come to the end of their life cycle. And honestly, at that point, we really saw that as a bit of a failure because we were helping pioneer something and hadn't heard um, the the stats that the average micro church only lives for 18 to 24 months. But then we would plant and pioneer new ones. And we were really seeing, we were seeing disciples made and we were seeing an expression of the church where we were sharing our stories in such a deep and profound way that. It led to transformation that was lasting, which was super encouraging. Um, but we came to this spot where we're like, is this sustainable? Is this self sufficient? Or, you know, in the alliance terms, is this a church that can be accredited or become an official church? And at that point, the conclusion was kind of like, no, maybe not. And part of that was because what even counted as an accredited church was more around the form of the prevailing model. So one of the things I'm super excited about is in the Alliance and in a lot of the modes of church that we're seeing um, here in the Pacific Northwest, we're making space for this. And we're saying this is a legit form of the church. This isn't like someday you'll be like your grandpa's church. Um, This is the church. And the work that we're doing is way more um, blue water fishing than it is red water fishing. Um, We're pioneering something that's not been the way that things have been. And that's encouraging to me. Um, even this fall, one of our pals, Matthew Erickson, uh, that you and I both know their church, Hope Church up in Oak Harbor was accredited as an Alliance church. And um, to see that we've got the space for that is really encouraging. And to see that we validate and celebrate what God's doing in that form of church is really encouraging to me as well.
0: That's awesome. Um, there's There was so much in that answer real quick. So there's like, the acceptance of the ecclesial minimums, or at least the conversation going on, I know with our particular uh, family of churches at, at a national level, um, which is trickling down to the local level, and coming up from the local level, going up to the national level. And then the idea of red water versus blue water, which man, it's a really like Mike is the king of metaphors, and so like people may not be hit to that idea. Um if you're in the microspace then you then you live it. But so can you can you um break that down for us? The blue sure. water versus red water?
1: Yeah, I mean the the prevailing model of church largely we've been perfecting and um improving on a approach to church that says, Hey, get us get people here, come to us. Um and in that way, when you look at any given context, we're probably fishing for the same population when it comes to a a Sunday driven, attractional kind of service. Um, People that are inclined to go to church are going to go to that sort of church. Um, The thing that's not doing necessarily is the seeking side of Jesus's mission, going and finding people that are, you know, that one lost sheep. It's more of the, the approach that's focused on the 99 gathered. So I think of it kind of like this, you know, in any given context, what's the percentage of Christians in your space? That's where the red water fishing is happening. Um here in the Pacific Northwest, that's anywhere from, you know, 10 to 25% of the population, depending on what city you're in and what region. But that leaves 75% or more of the population that people are not thinking of when they gather together for a prevailing expression. Um, so when we think about decentralized church, you're you're looking for the people of peace. You're looking for people who are open to you um, and ultimately might become open to Jesus through that. And you're building relationships with them. You're orienting your life around them. You're praying for them. You're looking for ways to bless them, um, to learn their story, to hear the gospel that they're living by so that you can present the, the one true gospel of Jesus to them. And that's what Blue Water Fishing is all about. It's a slow game. It's a long game. And it's uh, kind of an intense journey of of really missionary-like activity um,
0: in our spaces. And it sounds like the Alliance is, uh, our family of churches again, is kind of welcoming and even kind of beginning to have conversations about like, hey, so... What does it look like to, to see these expressions as viable? And more than that, forget viable, like biblical. Like are these biblical, true and biblical expressions, you know? Because we've talked about, and, and you mentioned it already, kind of like, you know, the, the the lifespan of every church, whether it's prevailing model or whether it's microspace, it all has, you know, a born date and an end date, right? And I I think it was like Rick Warren who even said that, right? Like, so it's like, so it's what you do in between that matters. Right. And, and every church, you know, the church of Ephesus isn't around anymore. You know, the the church of Antioch isn't around anymore, but the seeds of what they did have trickled down to us to the, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we now have the fruits, you know, and the fruits of their work are growing on our trees. And so, a lot of people, Micah, jumped on this like micro church space wagon, micro church wagon uh, during COVID. Give me an update. What are you seeing? Is the steam kind of fading? Is it the steam picking up? Where are we since kind of that big burst of energy went to this kind of thing um, at the beginning of
1: COVID? Yeah, I think, I mean, It seems like churches went in two directions. They went air attack or they went ground attack uh, during COVID. We couldn't meet in the ways that we had been meeting. And so a bunch of churches were like, okay, we've got to get our services online. Um, We've got to figure out how to broadcast this via the World Wide Web. Um, Stats are beginning to show that, well, that probably isn't going away. It hasn't enriched the body of Christ like we thought maybe it would you know, and we had all these, um, you know, excitement around the number of views and downloads and whatnot that we had for our services. Um, but that wasn't really effective discipleship uh, became the growing conclusion. I think it's, it's increasingly showing us that the mode of church where we're sitting and watching is not making disciples. Um, and then you had these other expressions that were like boots on the ground. Let's gather people um, in the spaces we can. Even if we have to do it via Zoom, we're going to still have this conversational, relational engagement, and I honestly don't think it's going away. And I think, like you said earlier, uh, the the shift biblically when you look at the uh, the Book of Acts to this expression of micro churches, it's very few jumps. It it's really like a a picture of the kind of simple practices of the early church, and while things like you described earlier of like a soaking worship gathering or a a place where we're gathered together with a a bigger crowd of people is really impactful and important. Uh, The place where life transformation happens is in that micro space. And I see that this is continuing to grow, um, not just stateside, it's the way the church has been growing, multiplying and expanding internationally. It's why the church in spaces like Africa and Asia it is growing at a more rapid rate than it is here stateside. It's why we need those countries to send missionaries here because they get it, they're living it. Um, I'll say one more thing about the microexpression expression. Um, in the neuroscience realm, they're beginning to see like what, what is it that happens in our brains that leads to change? And it's in that context of safe relationship In that context of um, unconditional regard for the other person, that life change emerges. And that's something that the micro expression has to offer people that people are are starving for. Like loneliness is one of the greatest problems we have in our country um, or problems that people identify with. And in a micro expression, you're able to know and be known in a way that you can't find anywhere else in life. It's just this is a unique thing that the church has to offer um, people today in our our context.
0: And I think that goes back to the garden, right? like how we were created for community, you know, and like it wasn't good for man to be alone, you know, and then the Trinity exists you know uh, in community, um, and wherever we see that there's transformation happening, uh, it usually isn't like a solo transformation, right? like there's usually. Like this exchange of either wisdom or pain, or you know, someone that's been there before, kind of uh, walking alongside a, a younger person, or you know, call it discipleship, right? Like, there's oh, it, it's in the context transformation that happens in in the context of discipleship, and and we'd like to say at the speed of relationship, man. Um, yeah. In your opinion, it sounds like. Uh, The world, this isn't going away anytime soon, right? Like the world is bending, like the arc is bending towards the original intent. You know, I still have friends in the, uh, you know, in the prevailing model, in the macro space, call it what you want. And I think the work that they're doing is valuable. Yeah. Because people are still being met by God you know, in those places. Right. And so like, I want to just be clear with that. And, and I know people sometimes say this kind of just to say, it and don't really believe like that the macro space, you know, just cause they feel like they have to say it, you know, but I really, more and more, I'm looking at the, um, the text and it, and it looks to me like it's both the temple and the table. Right. Yeah. And this is kind of like a more recent thing that I'm starting to see, like it's both the temple and the table. Like, they gathered in Acts 2, and then they went to the temple. And then, obviously, they went. It was, like, a different, a little different than what we've got going on. They went there. and It was almost like for evangelism because they were like, you guys are, like, 90% of the way there. Let's get you the other 10%, you know. Right. And so so it's a little bit different. And maybe in America, we might have to do that go to church. And, like, you guys are 90% of the way there. You know? Just This other 10%, you know. And not that anybody ever— closes that 10% gap or whatever. But but there is a lot that I think that the folks in the uh, prevailing model and the folks in the micro church space can, can do with each other and for each other. Have you seen any really cool partnerships develop um, between the two? Or maybe if you, like, how can, you know, dream with us here? Like, Cool partnerships develop between the two.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's a really great question, uh, super insightful. And I, I wonder if it's a bit of a prophetic picture for us of what could be and the wave of the future for the church in North America. Um, I've been thinking and dreaming a lot about this idea of gospel ecosystems, where you have existing churches kind of our traditional prevailing model church planting. And then these third lane expressions that are more decentralized missionary like movements. And they're all working together and celebrating um, the different expressions. And I think that is part of the wave of the future that I hope to see in our church, mm-hmm. where you've got existing churches that are, are saying, how can we multiply ourselves via church planting and ascending of Missionaries, not just missionaries to the end of the earth, but missionaries uh, to our neighboring city, to a community that maybe is less open to a Sunday morning kind of expression of church. How can we how can we be about that sort of sending? And you've got missionaries that are out there sensing that they've been sent, you know, and um, they're celebrating both the work and the prevailing traditional church, but also the really hard pioneering work of making disciples in the harvest. And I believe that we will learn across lines, you know, like the things you're learning in Simple Church Collective could be a blessing to the churches that have sent and are supporting you. The things that they're learning during this season could also be an encouragement to you. And I think that's what we need um, for the sake of the, the kingdom. It's kind of like, it's not either or, it's both and, mm-hmm. and let's keep also pioneering other new expressions because that's, that's what we need. Um, yeah,
0: I think when when we look at the next twenty or thirty years, right? Um, I think for everyone, uh, you know, Lord willing, we're around then. You know, um, COVID is going to be this definitive kind of like once in a in, in a generation kind of moment that that we all shared and had together, um, and and I think that the stories will go one of two or three ways, right? Yeah. Um, And in those early days, I think for us, and I'm just going to, just kind of, we felt like we had to make a decision. We launched two small groups, if people know our story. Uh, And then three weeks later, COVID, (laughs) we had known nobody, like, it was crazy. And we felt like in those days, it was like, we and you asked me this question, and I think it was Jim Johnson also asked me this question. You know, uh, our, one of our prevailing model partnerships, in fact, like the partner church that we had at the at the time. Yeah. they're an ama- amazing crew, still partnering with us to this day. He said, "So when this goes away, like, uh, are you guys going to go back to the you know the prevailing model?" He didn't use that language, but yeah, we were like, "No, <laughs> you know, we're we're not gonna." I mean, for as long as we're called to this, we're called to this, you know, and so in 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 this day and age, I think some people either made the decision or tried to replicate what they were doing at church online, and some people may even be feeling like they missed a the boat. like I'm having a conversation I was having this conversation with this guy in Tennessee who's a, a listener, and he's like, "I like what you guys are doing." Because you guys are trying to integrate um, like a decentralized deal within a centralized form, which is like they're also a part of a denomination. And like mm-hmm. we want to shift gears, but our denomination doesn't have the mechanisms for that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, what would you say, Micah, to a person who is looking to shift gears, you know, perhaps within a denominational context um, to something more micro? from a Sunday morning expression?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a really great question. Um, You need a lot of support, right? And it's tough when you're swimming upstream. Um, Friendly fire can be some of the most wounding um, when the folks you think you're working with starts sending shots across the bow, like, hey, what you're doing is not valid. Um, I think my encouragement to people that want to pursue that is to, to find some partners even if it's not in your tribe that would just celebrate and champion and pray for you. Um, and then also just to be able to cast vision that it's not like you're against the way things have been done mm, important it's trying to pioneer something that's doing something slightly different. Like I remember back in the day, I had a family member ask me like, how do you plant a church? And I was like, well, you build a core team. It's kind of like you're building a rocket ship and you're building these stage boosters That you get through your preview services and your come and see services and um, all of your felt needs ministries, and eventually you've got enough critical mass that you've got this momentum to launch the church that continues on. And I I had all these stages that I talked through and super complicated and complex. And then fast forward a few years later, we're part part of planting a micro expression. It was like, well, you pray and fast, find people at peace and you start discipling them. And I, I think part of this, the simple nature of that is something that we can get our heads around biblically. And also, you can just kind of get done. Like, that would be my encouragement for people that are curious about this, is uh, stop talking, start listening to the Lord, and get out there and get it done. Um, and I don't mean that in a in a harsh way, I just mean like, there are people that are hungry for relationships right now. There are people that might be open to the work of God in their life. And uh, are we looking for them? And are we spending time on that? Or are we spending time complaining about all the ways church has gotten it wrong in Mm. century?
0: Love it, man. You don't need anybody's permission to love the people in front of you. you Yeah. Like, you don't need denominational support for that, you know? And I think the beautiful thing is, like, all those other things are added. Like, if you're already sensing a pull towards, like, micro stuff, like, you can start with where you're at, you know? And it doesn't need to be sexy. And to be honest with you, it probably won't be sexy at the end either. It's messy. It's loving your neighbor. It's eating with people. It's cleaning up dishes, you know? (laughs) Like, that's what it is, right? My buddy, Shane Claiborne would say Philly, really, yeah, everybody wants to start a revolution, but nobody wants to do the dishes, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and disciple making is doing the dishes. It is. It's, it's, it's like loving people, being with them in their mess, you know, and like doing the everyday stuff of life, man. Micah, I love this short conversation that we've been able to have. Um, man, what would you say, Uh, The people that want to know more about the work of Thrive. Talk to us about the work of Thrive and like what you do at Thrive and um, what what, what kind of services you guys provide for planters and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I was meeting with one of the planters that we served just recently and he was talking about um, a situation in his church, like a little leadership blow up. And he was sharing with me that he was meeting with a group of other church planters and they were asking like how are you kind of weathering those storms um, when things blow up? And he said, you know, the beautiful thing for me is that I was able to reach out to my coach, talk through um, the situation that he was going through, kind of this leadership crisis, process it there, trust the Lord with it, leave it there and move past it. Um, And he contrasted that with prior to having a coach um, and Thrive is his church planting coaching organization. And he said prior to that, he would have just gotten hung up on that crisis and it would have gotten a lot of attention for him for weeks. Um, and I think that's kind of a beautiful picture of what we do uh, through coaching, through assessments, through trainings, um, through caring for church planters. Uh, we try to help them move past those struggles that you hit um, to see what they need holistically and to move into health and dependence on the Lord through that. Um, so. Thrive Church Planting does assessment, coaching, training, support and care. Uh, We do that across denominational lines. If folks are interested in getting that kind of support, Uh, our coaching services are are really focused on outcomes. We also have done a bit of work on um, pairing leaders with mental health services. Um, My wife works in that arena. And so we've got a lot of great resources here in the Pacific Northwest that way. Um, And we've been able to help connect folks to other partnering churches um, and other training opportunities. So that's that's really what we're about. Um, oh, I guess one other thing that we're passionate about is, is helping on the fundraising side of things, whether it be through creative um, vocational income streams or support raising in the kind of traditional missionary sense. Um, but we want to come alongside church planters. And I would say the way we care is a lot more holistic and um, we'd rather care thoroughly for a dozen leaders, then um, a little bit for a couple hundred liters, And so that's really our focus that way as well. If people want to hear more about it, uh, thrivechurchplanting.org. Um, send me an email, Micah at thrivechurchplanting.org. Love to connect with you and, and learn how we could be an encouragement to you. Love it. Love it. And
0: we'll have all of that info here with um, the podcast that goes out. But Micah, thank you so much for taking the time to do this man uh, at the time of this recording is just a few days before Christmas so Merry Christmas to you and your family love you you're such a blessing to us and to the collective and to leaders all across the Northwest which means that it impacts churches all across the Northwest and beyond God bless you brother thank you for joining us on keeping it safe
1: thanks Luis thanks for listening to the episode if you'd like to support us more check out our podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash keeping it simple podcast. If not, we'd love your support through subscribing, sharing episodes, and liking and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes to come.